Hello and welcome to the second podcast from Firewords. Good morning, Jen. Good morning, Ben. We're recording this very early in the morning, um, so that's to be determined if that's a good idea or not. We've got our coffee and we're ready to go. So should we get started, Jen? This time, we're going to be getting down to submissions. So I thought we could start off by talking a bit about our process of reviewing submissions. It might not be the same for all literary magazines, but I'm sure they'll be quite similar. So we open for submissions, usually for a couple of weeks, and straight away they'll start rolling in. We use a system called Submittable, which you've probably heard of if, you're, if you've sent writing out to magazines before. It's a submission uh, manager program. So as soon as they start coming in, um, we're quite organised and we'll distribute them between our readers. Including ourselves, we've got six readers around the world and we couldn't do it without them. It's a really great team that we've got going. So any strong submissions we've got but we're not quite sure about, we can tag them and that means someone else in the team will now read it and they'll give their opinion on it. And that way we can get a bit of discussion about it and then when all the submissions are read, we will definitely have too many to fit in the magazine and then it becomes a process between Jen and I discussing which pieces we want to take forward and publish and like we've said before, try and get a good balance and a good mix of pieces that we want to publish. And something different we did this time actually um, was something that we've wanted to try for a while but haven't been brave enough to do, but we actually did it this time. We included a question in the submission form which was, why do you think your writing is right for firewords? And the reason we put this in was not to get nice compliments about the magazine, although we did, which was nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was really to get people to think about where they're submitting their work. We think it's really important for writers to do a bit of research and only submit to places that they think fits with their style or is somewhere that they'd love to see their work. Yeah, I think the reason for this is just to make sure that you're optimising the time it takes for you as writers to submit because it's not easy, it's not fun as writers we know this so it's just making sure that you've got somebody who's on your side already there were a few people who answered that box with yes it just shows that not everybody was reading the questions um, which doesn't reflect well on the whole process and how we were hoping it would move forward. On the flip side we did get a lot of good answers as well and it really showed when someone had taken the time to think about where they were sending their work and that they really got what we were about. That was by far the majority of pieces been sent in as well, yeah. like way and beyond. So the, the question will continue, folks. It's actually quite a strange question to ask and you probably won't see it on any other submission forms, but we're really invested in the idea that taking a bit of time to think about where you're sending your work is really important and you will have a much greater chance of success if you put that bit of work in and bit of research even though it may seem like a bit more work it's really beneficial and you have a much greater chance of connecting with that editor and them accepting your work. So shall we get down to the submissions themselves? 
Yeah, we're going to just run through a couple of tips, things that we've noticed through this submission period and in the past. Yeah. So firstly, I guess, um, it's going to hopefully not sound too negative, but it's going to be things that people do when they submit to us, which is over and above what they need to do. So we're just going to run through these things because hopefully it will mean that you have to do less work in your submissions as well. Things that you don't need to do, put too much detail into your cover letter in the sense that you end up explaining the story in your cover letter so we already know what's going to happen. Yeah, your story really needs to stand on its own. So so if you feel like you need to explain it in a cover letter, then maybe you need to look at the story again and make sure it's clear. Because if you think about it, when your story is published, it's not going to have an explanation printed with it. So it really needs to stand on its own. I think as well as that, it kind of goes hand in hand with putting your work down, kind of almost apologising for your work in your cover letter, which you shouldn't do because, again, as Dan says, your work will stand on its own and you don't want to put any negative thought into an editor's head before they've even started reading it. And a lot of the time, well, most of the time, I've got to say, this kind of negativity is totally unwarranted. You're reading really good pieces when the person beforehand has been quite critical of themselves, which is just, it's just quite sad because of all the work that the writer has clearly put into it. Whether or not we can accept it, it's likely to get accepted somewhere. Yeah, it's a shame. I think it must come down to self-esteem or something like you're not confident in your work. But really, just putting your work out there is the best way to A, get feedback and B, get published in the end. So you have just as much right to have your work considered as anybody else and you shouldn't apologise for anything. On the flip side to that, I'm going to do a flip side now, Daniel, because you're good at that. (laughs) Prepare yourself. I guess it's, um, yes, be really positive about your work, but then in your cover letter, don't build your work up too much just because it needs to speak for itself. Yeah, that comes down to your previous publishing credits as well. It's good to show that you've been published before and pick some of the highlights where your work has appeared. It's probably not going to affect the decision, at least not with us anyway. This point should sound obvious, but it's surprising how many times we see silly mistakes that should have been picked up in a proofread. It's really important because... When an editor's reviewing a submission, they don't want to be thinking about what's going to need to be done to it before it gets published. Obviously, there's going to be proofreading and editing done before a piece gets published. The problem is when it takes you out of the story on that first initial read. Um, You can't get through the piece that you're trying to read and it just looks as if the writer has sent it without bothering to make sure that it's up to a certain standard we're not talking here about you know small slips because everyone makes them, but you'd be surprised by some of the errors that we get. Yeah, just slips that you've missed. We understand they happen, but just have that double check before you send your work anywhere. It's really important. That also leads on to uh, the next one, which is quite funny. I think this wouldn't affect our decision because we're not um, protective of our name or anything like that, but... It's surprising how many times people spell fire words wrong. Fireworks is quite often, I don't know if that's an autocorrect problem or something. Or just, just really, like, I mean, I don't even mind fireworks because that's just, like, funny. But what else we get, which you might want to check, just make sure you're submitting to the magazine you think you are because I've had very few, but I have had some cover letters which are too 
completely different magazines. Okay, so we've had a couple of questions on Twitter. Should we move on to those? Yeah. Yeah, so Christine Collinson's question is, is there anything in particular about a submission which might put you off a second reading? Example, themes which are overused. Thanks for your question. Yeah, that's a tricky one. I don't think anything would put us off a second reading. That's if we enjoy a submission, then we'd make sure that another of our readers read it and would get opinions from the rest of the team. That's going to happen if a submission is good and it engages us, whatever the theme. Yeah, the only question we have about theme is that some are really, they are overused. The problem with this is that it does seem to take a bit more for these writers to make their pieces memorable. So we still go for exactly the same thing as we would in a theme that we don't normally get. It just raises the bar to get to that point because we are reading so, so many. Yeah, you really have to do something different and make it stand out. The examples, I'm going to give you some examples and we're still working on the pieces for issue 8. So some of these themes might appear in the issue because we do have them circulating. Really great ones we've read have gone through. So it's not a case that these don't get through at all. A large number of pieces we get are about old people, um, which can be very, very interesting to read. But there is so many, that's probably the most common theme we get. And going on from that is maybe relatives dying or people dealing with grief. I think people write about these topics because it's it's human nature and we all go through these things. So it is a good topic to connect to the reader. You really have to do something to make it stand out amongst the other pieces. Um, another one is about bad relationships or if they're breaking up. Topics like that are often covered You will find quite often at the end of such pieces there is a twist but it's something that's really difficult for us to keep you out of the woods on because the twist at the end of these pieces they tend to be the same kind of twists even Um, and they're covering a broad spectrum far too wide for us to go into here but the writer's obviously thought about making them different and is trying to so which we really appreciate they're doing all the right things Yeah, and from our point of view as well, we have to be careful because we realise we're reading hundreds and hundreds of submissions back to back. We have to be careful not to get blasé about topics and we realise that readers might not be reading as many things on these topics as us, but we're just trying to make a nice balance and publish a nice mix of work. Yeah. The final theme I'm going to cover in this, um, which only arose this time round, is refugees. We've had a lot of pieces about refugees yeah, I think this happens sometimes when we open for submissions, if there's a hot topic, um, something that's happened in the world. And it's obviously people are going through harrowing things. So you want to write about these to try and explore what these characters are going through. We've got the pieces that I've got through to the next round of consideration in Firewords this time. There still are a lot which are based around refugees. because They're well written, they're memorable. So again, it's not that we won't consider ones in certain topics. It's just much harder to be original. Yep, that pretty much sums it up. Just before we move on, I just want to clarify again, we're not saying that we won't publish these topics. We have in the past, and I'm sure we will again. It's just like Jen said, making sure it's original. So our second question is from Richard Bryant. Hello, Richard, and thank you for writing in. He's asked, why is writing about writing a no-no? Do you just get too many and are they boring? 
it's probably a good question to lead on from the last one, actually. Um, I wouldn't say any topic is a no-no. Writing is one of those things that writers like to write about, I think, because they relate to it so much. They know what that process is like, and the creative output is exactly what they're dealing with. So it's understandable why people would want to write about this topic. I think what you need to do to make it stand out is to give it something more than just that. That's either, usually, character or plot. There needs to be something more to drive the story. It can't just be about one act. I think stories which are about writing can be great. Again, like Dan says, if it includes like a really interesting plot or a really great character, the problem with it is when it's thought that it should stand out due to the fact it's about writing alone. Richard's question also says, are they boring? I think there can be as boring as any other story. It's the quality of writing there. That's what makes it boring or not, not the fact it's writing about writing. Yep. Yeah, so if you have any questions for us next time or in the future, just send them to at firewordsmag. We'll also tweak the topic of the next podcast in advance so you can check it out that way. That might give you get some inspiration for the questions that you ask too. Okay, so I think that just about wraps it up. We've got lots more submissions to read, um, so we'll go and do that. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, we're now on iTunes, so if you go to firewords.co.uk forward slash iTunes, you can leave us a review there, which would be really nice. Only if it's good, however. Yeah, <laughs> and you can subscribe to the new issues there or any... And you can subscribe to the new issues there or on it. What is wrong with me? <laughs> I want this to go in. Don't you dare edit this out. And you can subscribe to the new issues there as well as on any podcast player. Thanks for listening and we'll see you in two weeks. See you next time. Thank you.